This week on the Tech on Tap podcast, Andy Lynn and Esteban Rubens join us to discuss how Mark III and NetApp are partnering up to revolutionize the way medical AI is delivered. Welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast with Justin Parisi. I love NetApp. Oh, yeah. NetApp. I love this company. Zipoc. Zipoc. I love NetApp because it's so funny. <laughs> Hello and welcome to the Tech on Tap podcast. My name is Justin Parisi. I'm here in the basement of my house and with me today I have Esteban Rubens from NetApp to join us as well as a special guest from Mark III, Andy Lynn. So Andy, uh, what do you do at Mark III and how do we reach you? Hey, uh, thanks for having me on. Um, yeah, Andy Lynn, uh, VP of Strategy and Innovation, CTO at Mark III Systems. Um, you can reach me by just dropping me an email at Andy. Andy Wyatt, mark3sys.com. It's M-A-R-K-I-I-I-S-Y-S.com. All right, excellent. And of course, Esteban Rubens uh, of NetApp. What do you do here and how do we reach you? Hey, Justin, thank you. I work in the healthcare team. Uh, I cover focus on cloud and AI in healthcare life sciences. And people can reach me at esteban.rubens at netapp.com or through LinkedIn. All right, excellent. So if you've not heard of Mark III, luckily Andy's here to tell us what that is. So Andy, uh, Mark III, what is that company and what do you guys do? Absolutely. So uh, we're a longtime um, IT solutions provider in the field. Um, we do what I call regular stuff. Um, but where we're really unique uh, in the ecosystem and what we're going to talk about today is, is really around our capability, specifically around uh, AI machine learning. Uh, and helping clients specifically um, with their journey around building what I call new stack architectures or architectures that are driven by open source centric um, methodologies of which there are what I call 10,000 different ways to, to build the same thing, uh, especially around uh, AI machine learning. Um, so we're obviously a NetApp partner or an NVIDIA elite uh, partner uh, around AI machine learning uh, visualization uh, and simulation as well. Um, but today we'll, we'll talk a little bit about um, specifically AI center of excellence concept and, and what we're doing around that in the ecosystem within healthcare. So has Mark three always been an AI healthcare company or is it, did it evolve over the course of time because there was a need in the market? So that's a great question. Um, we definitely grew up um, focused on with a focus, strong focus on healthcare. Um, and I think that was just a byproduct of how we were founded. Um, we support healthcare institutions all across the country, but we had the good fortune of being founded in the mid nineties uh, in the shadows of the Texas Medical Center in Houston, which is the densest medical center in the world. Um, for those of you who have been there, it's um, you know a few few different uh, square miles, uh, and it's got over fifty healthcare institutions. So we've really absorbed uh, competency in healthcare over the last quarter century. Really, just I was I call by osmosis, just by by being there, and that's really powered us uh, with healthcare across the country. Now, how AI specifically is a, uh, kind of an interesting story. So the way we got into it was really, I think, in many, many ways, sort of by chance. Um, in 2015, we founded uh, an innovation unit internally, which is basically like an internal startup. But what we did with the startup is um, we basically saw that software stacks were changing driven by open source. Um, you know, Even if we were to continue uh, helping our clients with platforms and infrastructure and data center, like we always have, you've got to really be able to go builder to builder, as I call it, with organizations to help their Builders, their developers, their data scientists, um, you know, understand how to orchestrate and build some of these stacks because open source has made it so uh, really there are 10,000 different ways to build the same thing as I mentioned earlier. So 
everything has a higher propensity to run better on something. So we just, I think we realized early that the approach had to be fundamentally different. You still have to grow your SEs and your system engineers, what I call the fundamentals, but you have to really understand how things are fundamentally built to be able to, I think, help clients really get to where they want to be. Um, so we got into AI just, you know, one day, one of our developers who we had um, brought on from a startup, he had really no experience in IT whatsoever. He had just come in and built some models using um, pre-V1 TensorFlow. Um, this was in 20, 2015. Um, so, you know, that really just started us down the path to where we are today. So essentially what's happened is that, you know, our, our unit of data scientists and developers have sort of merged over the years with, with our DevOps, MLOps, now MLOps, uh, and SCs and SAs. And, and we together um, work with clients specifically around building the AI Center of Excellence concept um, as a joint team, um, builders and, and architects all working together. Cool. So you mentioned that Mark III is a partner of NetApp, and I'm interested to hear about maybe how that came about, but also how NetApp and Mark III partner. Like, what do you like? What does one offer the other, and how does that work? Yeah. So um, you know, we've been a partner of NetApp for for quite some time. Um, so we work with NetApp around you know what I call traditional projects, um, specifically around AI machine learning. Um, you know, obviously NetApp provides uh, world class uh, storage and data management. Um, solutions as part of the stack with, you know, uh, technologies like ONTAP AI and things like data ops toolkit, um, and as well as things like AI control plane. Uh, and what we do is, um, well, we work with an organization around guiding them toward what I call the AI center of excellence. And um, how I define the AI center of excellence is this, it's basically a, a centralized resource for a large healthcare organization or research organization. And within healthcare, we're working with you know, academic medical centers, large life sciences organizations, large healthcare systems, uh, biotech companies as well. Um, it's basically a centralized resource which allows one, five, 10, hundreds, even maybe even thousands of, of data scientists, developers, researchers, basically people building the models to all build the models that they need and they want that align with their work um, with their own specific IDEs, their own frameworks, their own toolkits, um, but allowing the organization to manage that resource centrally. Um, it sounds easy to explain, but it's very difficult actually for organizations, I think, to navigate down this path. Um, and so what we've done and how we've uh, also you know, partnered with NetApp as a vital part of our strategy is um, we have, you know, these three different types of personas or, or groups, as I call it, within an organization that are required to make this journey happen. And these three groups that we've seen are, you know, data scientists and researchers, people building the models. Um, you have DevOps, MLOps, or computational scientists, computational engineers. They have different titles depending on the organization. People who are in charge of taking those models and scaling them into production. Uh, and then you also have um, IT ops. Uh, data centers, well, which we all know, um, who are in charge of basically ensuring maximum performance and, and, and security and all that good stuff, basically the stuff that the, the models run on top of. So you'll notice that we've evolved our organization, as I described earlier, in a similar manner. So um, when we're actually working with one of these organizations, what we find is that all three groups uh, within, within our a client organization that we work with, they all need to be sort of clicking for the momentum around AI machine learning to continue. If, if even one of those groups um, you know, has a challenge or gets blocked in some way, 
um, then it basically slows all momentum at driving toward the center of excellence. So um, we built a lot of different unique programs over the years, specifically for these three different types of organizations. Um, and each one of these has uh, a way that we're partnering with, with NVIDIA and also NetApp um, in that journey. Um, you know, for data scientists uh, and, and, and AI-centric developers and what I call builders, innovation teams, um, we have the uh, concept of, of an AI education series that we built, which is basically a, a series of, you know, one hour uh, virtual modules of content and labs that can be delivered uh, virtually to, you know, one, 10, uh, 50, 100 different builders, data scientists, researchers within an organization. Um, so that's been probably our most popular hit just because education is a huge thing, um, not just in terms of like, you know, taking a, a one week class or doing that, but like something that's really convenient and practical. You know, we have modules that are focused on predicting pricing, um, you know, doing real basic uh, image analytics on, on, on um, medical imaging as an example, right? But things that you can consume very quickly within a one hour and then take that lab home and just start building on whatever environment that, that you'd like. We've got workshops that we built as well with the teams, um, as well as um, we have also a hackathon program um, that we put together that um, really helps bring builders and operators together within organizations. We found that this is extremely critical to get all the groups on the same page uh, and working with each other, you know, using a lot of the shared learnings that we've we've accumulated over the last you know five plus years or so uh, in this space. And then, um, so that's really around the data scientists side. And you know how we partner with NetApp there is um, we have obviously we have built our, our own modules around things like machine learning and deep learning and computer vision and and uh, the art of the data set and things like that. But um, you know we we also have joint modules that we built NetApp around you know uh, the container side you know, how to leverage things like the data ops toolkit uh, and Trident and AI control plane and all that good stuff. Um, as far as, you know, solving problems like, you know, re reproducibility of data sets and, and traceability and things like that. I just want to underscore something you said, Andy, about the center of excellence. That's so important to us as well, because there's this fast start problem and overcoming inertia in so many organizations. And this is not just academic medical centers. We've seen global pharma companies who have this problem too. They, they know they want to do something. Everything tells them they should be doing it, but for some reason, they just can't figure it out. They have enough smart people, but they need somebody from the outside to kind of help harness all that energy and kind of end end up with something that's usable for all the stakeholders. So that's been huge in our relationship with Mark III because we obviously bring a lot to the table, but Mark III is an equal partner. They, they complement absolutely what we do. So really, when you think about it, it's Mark III, NetApp, NVIDIA together bringing this concept to so many different kinds of customers who are really ready for it. This is not a hard sell. When you start talking to all the different stakeholders, as I've said, you see how they're interested and how it all comes together very well. So there's an obviously huge unmet need. So this is not a solution in search of a problem. This is a very clear problem that exists, especially today, right? At this point in time. So it's really phenomenal what we're able to accomplish with Mark III and, uh, having this ready to go and we're already working with customers uh doing this so this is uh this is not just a concept it's something that has been done many times so it's very repeatable and quick to do 
I completely agree with that. Um, I think the momentum right now is just enormous. I think, um, you know, in many ways, I think we probably started, <laughs> I think before, uh, maybe a little bit too early uh, in the space when things were just picking up. But I mean, right now we're entering what I call the early part of the fat part of the curve uh, in this space. I mean, it's just, um, you know, you, you put this education out there for groups and we offer this at, at, at no charge. Um, and people just come out of the woodwork. You know, everyone's really hungry in the space to, to build models and to, to tackle uh, old problems in new ways, as I call it in the space. And it's, it's just a really exciting time to be um, involved with, uh, with the AI space in general. So earlier you mentioned ONTAP AI and other things that you're using, like the data ops toolkit. Are, are you leveraging cloud at all at this point, or are you looking that direction? What are your plans for that? Yeah, so um, we definitely have um, skill sets, and we do partner with clients uh, when they're trying to deploy these types of the stacks in cloud. But I think the area that we really specialize in um, is being able to roll out uh, an equivalent AI center of excellence or, or platform on premise or in a hybrid model. Um, and we found that this is an, uh, an extreme need uh, in this space. Obviously you can, you know, use frameworks um, out there in the cloud, like, like SageMaker or, or Azure ML, right. And AWS or, or, um, or Azure. But um, what we found is that many clients are looking, you know, if they still, they'll start building models in the cloud, but then they'll realize almost immediately that, wow, this is going to get really, really expensive. I need to at least have another option. Um, and um, this is an area that, that to build a center of excellence that's on-prem um, is, is really, uh, we've seen running TCO models, things like that. Clients can save 70, 80% plus. It's, it's an astronomical number. Um, but up to now, up to recently, I would say within the last maybe year or so, um, the challenge with doing building a similar platform on-prem has really been the software layer that interacts directly with the data scientists. Or, you know, when a data scientist uh, logs on via, via um, you know, Jupyter Notebook or, or VR Studio, or whatever, are they going to have the same experience? And up to recently, um, the challenge with that has been, you know, sort of, but not really. Um, but what we've seen is that, especially with a lot of these POCs that we're working on and, and actual production rollouts that we've done, over the last, you know, 12 to 24 months, um, we've seen that the parity really has, has arrived. And what that means is that building an AI center of excellence in your data center, or you know, at least bridge to cloud, will allow you to build the models you need, uh, secure them, scale them into production, uh, but allow you to derive those cost savings. And, and that's why I think like, you know, that's, that's really the area that we, we sort of specialize in, but we found that is really our sweet spot because we understand the data center just from, you know, growing up obviously in the space. And then um, we started working with NVIDIA Kubernetes in 2018. So we have a lot of strength as far as like working with clients around doing a full rollout and what I call co-pilot around that. A lot of times that's, you know, after we run the education series, you know, clients are excited. They've got, you know, even hundreds of data scientists that all want to, to build models and maybe they decide, okay, well, we need to have an on-prem reason for data security, sovereignty reasons, um, and then also the economics uh, scenario that I described earlier, like how do I do that? And, and really that's where the middle part of our team comes in, data scientists on top, DevOps and ops in the middle, we'll actually work with clients to actually roll that out. So that's where, you know, the data, data ops toolkit, that's where, uh, you know, NetApp's involvement with Trident comes into play. 
with a storage provision with Kubernetes. Um, Kubernetes is really emerging in the space as really sort of the default modern um, orchestration platform that makes the, the AI center of excellence work. Um, we do work with a lot of clients still around, you know, Bright and Slurm and um, I guess more uh, traditional and, and, and core cluster managers, HPC centric ways of scheduling. But what we're seeing is that almost all the growth is in, in this particular space around Kubernetes. So, um, so yeah, that, that's sort of how we, we work with folks. You know, like I said, it's a three pronged approach um, based on what's really needed to, to, to guide a client uh, to this end destination. As far as the Kubernetes piece goes, um, can you kind of walk me through what that workflow looks like? Like, where does Kubernetes fit into the whole space with with the the provisioning and the and the orchestration? Like, how, how is it implemented in that environment? Kubernetes, um, you know, is a container orchestration framework, as, as we all know, um, and it was open source in the mid 2010s. Um, but where where it uh, cross sections or it, it intersects with AI specifically around when NVIDIA Kubernetes or GPU centric scheduling with Kubernetes um, was really made available to the community in around 2018 timeframe. Um, and since then, it's made its way into, you know, all the enterprise distributions, um, which include OpenShift, uh, Rancher, RKE, uh, Tanzu, uh, and others. Um, those are sort of the, the big three for clients that are interested in enterprise uh, class distributions that we're working with today. Um, we also work with folks if they want a vanilla Kubernetes approach using a, a tools like NVIDIA's uh, DeepOps framework to be able to actually orchestrate and deploy that. Uh, but why Kubernetes is so important is it's actually the framework that basically deploys and scales pods or basically microservices that align with an overall software platform that ISVs create, uh, ISVs like Domino Data Labs is an example. Or what we've found is that actually some clients, advanced ones in the space, will actually create their own that, that run on top of it. Um, our developers actually even homegrew our own platform, um, specifically for computer vision use cases. Um, but this platform is super important, and, and Kubernetes is, 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 is extremely important because it allows you really to handle the end-to-end -end process of training models by deploying and scaling pods, depending on how many GPUs you need to be able to train and build models, but then also deploy in-place pods for inferencing. So once you have trained your model using GPUs within your Kubernetes cluster, you can then take that model, regardless if you use a framework like TensorFlow or Keras or, or PyTorch or whatever that is, and then actually deploy it in place to make predictions using inferencing within that same cluster. Um, and you can hit that you know, from an interesting perspective via using an API or SDKs. Um, and why we, why we think that it's, it's extremely exciting is obviously with Kubernetes, right? You can run a data center and to the cloud, but you can also stretch it to the edge as well. If you're using you know, devices like for instance, Jetson or Clara AGX for me medical instrumentation for inferencing um, or Xavier or you know, different accelerators for NVIDIA. Um, that actually run on the edge, you can use Kubernetes to bridge that gap. So, you know, obviously prior to Kubernetes, there really wasn't a way to do these things. Every part of that pipeline from training to inferencing was sort of viewed in isolation and managed, you know, centrally, which leads to friction. But you can see why I think that that it's so central to really the core of being able to build the center of excellence, no matter what part of healthcare or any vertical that you're in today. 
So with the Kubernetes deployment that you're using, I would imagine you're tying it back to centralized storage, and that storage is probably generally going to be like ONTAP AI or something along those lines. How are you handling the data protection piece? Like, are you guys leveraging any sort of replication, or does it even matter for this data set? Well, I think what we're what we found so far is that um, this area of the industry around data protection, when you use Kubernetes for an AI center of excellence for AIML, it's it's still quite honestly a, a work in progress. I think um, what we found is that most of our clients today are really just using um, manual sort of backup and, and data protection strategies around the space. Just you know, data protection for containers is is uh, still somewhat emerging, and if you combine that with AI, um, folks have taken sort of a one-off approach to to this today. Um, but to be honest, like right now, most are just trying to get the, the basic framework to work, and then um, we're working with them you know, and sort of one-off approaches to, to sort of back up what they, what they actually need. But I'm sure like this part of the industry will evolve over time and, um, and whatnot. As, as far as like, you know, snapshots and things like that. Um, I think that's, that's something that clients are really, you know, we're seeing folks take, take advantage of. Um, this is where tools like the data ops toolkit come into play. Um, and, and, uh, you know, other uh, software partners that's, um, specifically interact with, with CSI drivers and, and Trident where, you know, it's, it's really easy to create, for instance, a clone at the Jupyter notebook level or Jupyter lab level uh, of different notebooks that you might have uh, and whatnot using, using uh, these types of approaches. So yeah, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what happens the next couple of years. And isn't that part of the whole education aspect as well, where data scientists maybe are hyper advanced in some of the things they do, but in other aspects, they're in the bronze age. They, they don't really know how to move data efficiently. And so all this stuff that we can show them in terms of API integrations, like the DitOps toolkit and stuff like that, where they can do things themselves that they're not used to thinking about. And IT doesn't really want to do because maybe IT is not even involved in that center of excellence very much because it's a different budget line or what have you. So it's opening the, the eyes of people to, to the possibilities of, hey, you can do this or talking to them about um, why snapshots may be useful in terms of uh, reproducibility of results or, you know, keeping track of things in a different way and kind of having a concept of, well, so, you know, a GitHub for code, but how about GitHub for your training data too, if you need to reproduce your results in five years and no one can do that. So there's just so much that, through education, because it's already included. Once you you have our stuff running, it's just a matter of using it. That doesn't require to buy anything new. And people still, even though they have a platform, they may not be using it to the full full extent of its possibilities. No, I hundred percent agree with that approach. Um, and yeah, it's it's absolutely needed. And and a lot of times, like you pointed out, it's just an afterthought. Um, you know, yeah. organizations don't even really think about that until they actually have the models working. Cause a lot of times that's the most difficult part of, of the process, but you know, once it's up and, and working, yeah. How do you protect that? And, um, how do you make sure it can, it can scale and, uh, yeah, for reasons like re reproducibility or traceability, um, you know, how do you go back and figure out which data you use in that particular data set? So data set versioning is really key. I, that's, that's extremely, extremely critical. So it's, I think organizations like working with us together um, just because, you know, when we explain the three-pronged approach around how we, you know, tackle the data science layer, we tackle the, the DevOps, MLOps 
uh, layer. And then obviously we, we tackle infrastructure. Um, we're already thinking about those things that they may not have encountered. They may not encounter for a year or two um, because we've lived it and, and, and we've seen it. So I think like, you know, the, the AMCs that we work with and the life science organizations, pharma, I, I think they have sort of peace of mind that we're sort of looking out for them. Uh, even if that may not come up yet, because it's not yet a problem, but it will be at some point. So uh, great point. Yeah. And also at a higher level, what makes this so unique, the collaboration that we have will bring to customers is that, yeah, of course, we're trying to sell them something ultimately, but we have so much more. This is not just about, hey, I'm going to pitch you a box. I'm going to install it. I'm going to go away. This is really about as you keep bringing up, Andy, the solution, this is about running the center of excellence. This is an ongoing process that doesn't stop when the center of excellence is up and running. So that's unique. I don't see that often. And that's why it's so important for us to talk about it so that everybody involved is aware and certainly everybody on the NetApp side, because this is a big competitive advantage, something that we should be talking to everybody about. Yeah, I think um, just, just to add on to that, and I, Totally agree. Um, you know, the AI center of excellence is, is what I call, you know, I think there's, there's that buzzword out there and obviously we're all in the technology industry here. Um, but I really regard the center of excellence and, and how we help organizations in the healthcare space um, and, and also other verticals is, is half technology, half people, culture, and skills. Um, and, you know, the technology side is obvious, right? We've talked a lot about that today. Um, around, you know, everything from Kubernetes to handle the orchestration layer, from data center to edge to cloud, um, down to the infrastructure, uh, even down to things like how do I figure out, you know, the power and cooling requirements, right? That's actually a huge challenge in this space. Um, but also, you know, on the education side, like how do I empower data scientists um, to take their work and the researchers take their work to, to really the next level where they were really blocked before. And that's really around education. We focus, like I said, with hackathons on culture, bringing different groups together, um, builders and operators together. Um, and, and we leverage really all our, all our shared experiences um, to, to do that. And, and um, you know, uh, to a certain extent, like I said, because we've had like a, like a multi-year runway in the space, you know, five, seven years, um, a lot of the learnings that we impart and things that we share are based on really our own experiences and, and really what I call building every day, right? Um, you know, obviously we can talk about technology, but like, I think a lot of the, the, the most interesting things that we that we talk about are, you know, hey, we built this software platform that did computer vision 2017 and we, we used, you know, in 2018, we scaled into video Kubernetes. Like, here are some lessons that we learned. Um, most of the, the software platforms in the space uh, that we start working with, with with, with clients, if somebody wants to consume really an ISV-driven uh, platform or something through open source, right? Almost always things are going to come, what I call, uh, this is a bad thing, called broken out of the box, right? And we'll work with organizations to address and fix the deployment and things like that, just because, you know, that's that's just the nature of, of uh, that's the upside and downside of, of working with open source, you know, driven software and, um, you know, driving innovation. Sometimes you got to do a little bit of work up front, but these are just some of the lessons that we've learned to actually make this stuff work in practice. It's not very glamorous, but um, once you really get to that point where you do have the center of excellence working, I mean, it, it propels an organization like you wouldn't believe. Um, so we're, like I said, we're excited about where we are uh, in, in, in the cycle. I think we're just entering the early part of, of really, I think the era of the AI center of excellence and, 
Um, and we're excited to be working together with, with a lot of these amazing organizations across the country. So can you walk me through kind of like an end-to-end engagement with a customer, right? Like, so, so start off with how they reach you, what the conversation looks like to get them started, and then where does it go from there? Like, does, does Mark III stay involved throughout the ent- entire process, or is there a stopping point at some point? Yeah, so um, that's a great, great question. Um, so um, some of the things that I've mentioned are all different ways to work with organizations, but I'll hit on, I think, a couple of the most popular ways that um, healthcare organizations uh, and resource organizations engage with us. Um, typically, most will engage with us uh, because of interest around our AI education series first or around something like our Mark III Hack program, which is our ability to, to run hackathons um, for uh, for organizations. Um, you know, obviously most are in the position where they have, you know, maybe 10 or 20 different groups or different pockets of people working on different machine learning models, but they're all sort of in the shadows and isolation on their own laptops on their workstations. So we've just found that, you know, when we, when we work with, with organizations, institutions, there's always, we always start typically with a key sponsor within the organization who probably is in charge of serving all these groups, probably someone with an IT um, who's directly um, attached to these research groups and these data science groups and these innovation groups, R&D groups. Uh, and then together, we'll offer up you know, either the Mark III Hack program or more popularly now the AI education series. And then what ends up happening is that you know, what we found is 10, 50, 100, 200 plus uh, builders, developers, researchers typically attend these. Um, we've just been extremely pleasantly surprised at just really the outpouring of interest in this space. And I think it's just, you know, folks are hungry. Uh, That's the only way I can describe it. Um, And and once that happens, um, projects and interests come out of the woodwork within the organization. It's almost like, you know, really unlocking something that's really been pent up. And then um, what happens next is ultimately what happens is uh, that really empowers IT um, to know what what the organization is coming is is interested in, um, and then we start typically working with IT around a pilot. So whether that be a POC or a pilot, it could be a a two or four node, um, you know, on tap AI instance, um, most likely powered by uh, NVIDIA DGX A100. Um, we will go in and actually do the rollout for that POC, and that client will typically pick whatever data science software layer they want. Um, I mentioned one earlier, um, which is actually a, an example of a, of a large life sciences organization that we're working with right now, uh, live around a, around a, a POC uh, that uses Domino Data Labs as one example, but there are others out there as well. Uh, and then we'll work with that organization's um, data scientists. Typically, they'll assign five to 10, maybe early adopters or, or folks to try out that tooling. Um, many times those data scientists are already building on their own laptops um, or their own workstations or uh, their own departmental IT type systems. Um, or, uh, you know, what we're seeing more and more, they're already building a lot of models in the cloud, um, whether it be on AWS or Azure. And they just want to see, hey, will this do the job for me, right? Will this, is this good enough <laughs> for what I'm trying to do? Because if it's good enough, in, in theory, the AI Center of Excellence will probably save the organization, like I mentioned earlier, you know, 70, 80%. So um, we'll run through the POC with them. Um, you know, everything we've, all the POCs we've run so far have been extremely successful. Um, and then if that works, then we'll go to the, really the next phase, which is, okay, do I, do I roll this particular uh, pod into production or 
do I look at something that even larger, right? And um, you can expand an on-type AI-driven, you know, DGX pod um, to four node, eight node, 10 node plus, um, you know, even much larger than that, just depending on what's needed. And we can help with that, like I mentioned, with that rollout into production, we'll co-pilot. Uh, you asked earlier about like, you know, our relationship. Uh, one of the, uh, from a longevity standpoint, I mean, what we found is that we'll obviously help roll this out, but um, really we're integrated really for the indefinite future. Because what ends up happening is that once it's in there, um, we'll, we'll bring back our data scientists to actually build quick starts, build videos, build internal tutorials on why data scientists and, and builders within an organization should use that center of excellence resource. Uh, it's, it's interesting because like once it's built, you still need to make sure that folks are successful in onboarding, almost like you've helped that client build like a SaaS product internally. Um, and um, and that, that requires, you know, not only assisting with building models per se, um, we're not going to necessarily build the models for them, even though we, we have that capability, we're going to help them be successful in onboarding, make sure we reduce friction, just like, you know, for instance, being a customer support manager almost for like a SaaS product. If you're, if you're trying to launch a product in the market, we think of like that, that the same way within that organization. And, and if you do that, you ensure they have a great experience. It'll obviously lead to that pod growing, um, which means that more and more stakeholders within that organization are using AI machine learning effectively to address problems that they probably never would have been able to address before, which is amazing for that organization and the work that they're doing. And also amazing for, for us and for, for NVIDIA and NetApp as well to be part of, part of that journey and part of that growth. So Esteban, from the NetApp perspective, like what do we fit in here? Like, what are we helping out with with Mark III? Like, how are we making the, the success story more granular? Well, obviously, it's the technology that we bring to the table. What the, the stuff we were mentioning is just hardware, software, open source. It's the collaboration, and it's our customers, right? Our customers need solutions and. Even though we have a piece of the puzzle, we don't have the complete puzzle. And even with ONTAP AI, we don't have it either, right? So NetApp is not enough. NetApp plus NVIDIA, not enough either. But NetApp plus NVIDIA plus Mark III, all of a sudden, that is magic, right? That That is totally different. And interestingly, we all have very unique things that we bring to market and we have differentiators, but when you put all of that together and it's really, everybody talks about this, but it, it's maybe harder to implement it, to sit down with customers and talk about what problems are they interested in solving, what their pain points are. I mean, this is one-on-one stuff that everybody talks about, but in my experience, very few people actually do because they have some mandate that you need to sell more boxes of this kind or that kind. So the luxury of sitting down and having that conversation and plotting a course that may take many months or even longer is rare. So I think it's the power of that. And certainly because we've been at this for so long, we we have a lot of customers, the, the basically all the large pharmas, most of the large academic medical centers, there's, you know, SLED customers, universities, they all have NetApp. So we many times are already talking to them and we can find the right people to sit down with and get this stuff started, especially because in many cases, we find that 
they had conversations internally that were not really leading to anything productive, but we provide a catalyst. So we, we, when we raise the issue, all of a sudden people come out of the woodwork and they say, yes, this is something we've been trying to do and it's not really going well, or it's not going quickly enough. And we have a lot of people interested. And certainly when you're talking about academic medical centers, uh, Usually there's universities around them in that ecosystem. So you're talking about undergrads, grad students, medical students, doctor researchers, uh, recent doctors, PhDs uh, who are trying to do their own research, then putting people together with the data. All of that is kind of the hard part that is not obvious. So I think it's being part of our customers' uh, paths that help us be there for them because we can ask the right questions at the right time. And that's not something that uh, you can, you know, it's not a trivial thing, you know, having those relationships so that you can be part of the right conversations and then have the right people at the table giving you mind share because otherwise you're not going to get anywhere. So it's really everything together and everybody plays a role. If you, any of the pieces are missing, we're not going to have the success that we've had so far. All right. Sounds like you both have given us a lot to think about in terms of AI and medical imaging and all sorts of different things, all the way from Kubernetes to storage. So, um, you know, Andy, if I wanted to find out more information about Mark III, where would I go to do that? Yeah, you can check out our website at uh, mark3sys.com. That's M-A-R-K-I-I-I-S-Y-S.com. Or uh, you can shoot me a note as well. Uh, a Andy at markthrusis.com, A-N-D-Y at M-A-R-K-I-I-I-S-Y-S.com. All right. And Esteban. Yeah. For anyone want to talk about this more, please get in touch with me at esteban.rubens. Uh, certainly if you're part of NetApp, you can find me in the directory. Otherwise, LinkedIn, as I said, is easy enough. And really, it's all about finding people who want to engage in this conversation. We know that there's so many and we just don't have enough resources to go after everyone. So if you're listening to this and you have customers in this space, we can just sit down and figure out who the right people are to talk to and how to start these conversations. And it's going to be very, very good for everyone involved. All right. Sounds great. Thanks so much for joining us today and talking to us all about Mark III and then our partnership. All right, that music tells me it's time to go. If you'd like to get in touch with us, send us an email to podcast at netapp.com or send us a tweet at netapp. As always, if you'd like to subscribe, find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or via techontappodcast.com. If you'd like to show today, leave us a review. On behalf of the entire Tech on Tap podcast team, I'd like to thank Andy Lynn of Mark III and Esteban Rubens of NetApp for joining us today. As always, thanks for listening. Oh, yeah. Is it just me that's getting off on this? Oh, yeah.